Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Anybody excited to get into God's Word today? Today, um, you know, if you're a visitor here today, <laughs> um, this message may be your fault. It might be your fault. Because uh, this message, I, I, I tell you, it came like a download to me. And uh, as I was uh, just kind of stewarding over it, I'm like, Lord, who are you talking to? He says, they'll be there. They'll be there. And so I, I just want you to know, everybody, if you're here, this message is for you. But I feel like there, is some, there are some people here who came to church who did not need to hear just another polished sermon. And so today, uh, today this message is just a little bit different. Uh, it's not three points, there's actually seven. It doesn't mean I'm going to preach that much longer, it just means there's seven points. And I want to help everyone transition into the season that God has us in, which for us here at Calvary, God has been speaking one word to us, it's harvest time. It's harvest time, it's now, it's not coming, it's not, it's not somewhere off in the distant future, it is right now, it's harvest time. It is time to see harvest in your family, it's time to see harvest in your finance, on your job. In this community, it is time to see harvest. We're not putting it off anymore. It's now. And we know the Spirit of God is moving. But uh, inevitably, when God tries to bring a people into a, 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 a new season, there are those who, who kind of drag their feet. Anybody uh, in here who is reluctant to change? Oh, I should, all of the hands should have went up. Uh, you know, all of them. You know, uh, next week's sermon is on lying, okay? And we'll get, we'll get everybody, get a word for everybody. No, uh, nobody likes change, but in order to go into something fresh and new that God has for you, something has got to change. Even good things. In order to step into God's purposes, God's greatness. And so we're going to be talking today about transitioning into a new season. If you have the Bible app, you can launch the Bible uh, notes through the Bible app. Go to calvary.online uh, and click today's message. All the notes will be there uh, for you. And just make sure that you're, you're paying attention to what God is saying to you. I believe this with all of my heart. There is a prophetic nature to this message. That means this is for someone right now. When I say prophetic, it means that there's a time stamp on it, that it's connected to this moment now. So Mark chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 45. I love uh, the gospel of Mark, so incredible. Uh, I've been uh, reading it personally uh, lately, uh, studying it, and I, I want to carry you back to perhaps... Uh, a familiar passage, and then we're going to see what the Lord says to us from this. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 says, Immediately he made, this is Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. 
Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against him. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat with them and the wind ceased. Now listen to these words. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Let's just pray one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask this morning that you would would give us ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, I don't want to say anything in my own strength, out of my own intellect, but I do want to say what you're saying to your people that they might be encouraged and established and transition into a new season. Father, thank you for hearing this prayer and moving by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if there is a, if there is one issue that that has landed on the church, one hot uh, button topic that it seems as if the church is beginning to grow in, it is this idea of sonship. It's the idea that that we are to connect at a greater level with the idea of being a son or a daughter of God by the grace of God through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, rather than connecting more, uh, more to the idea of our failures, of our insufficiencies, of our sin, you know, meaning this, that, that, that we are more connected to who we are by the grace of God than who we used to be before Christ. Do you understand that? And the church is beginning to grow in this idea of sonship. And I believe that in order for us to get into the next season, you and I have to function as sons and daughters of God, redeemed people who have experienced the fullness of God through Jesus Christ and his spirit. Now, God wants to empty us of any tendency that would keep us from entering into harvest. How many of you uh, have those tendencies that, uh, that you, you see somebody uh, who you know you need to reach out to, that you know you need to share with, perhaps something you know you're just supposed to do a kind deed for, and before you get to that moment, those little butterflies show up, and then all of the thoughts show up about, man, well, if I share here on my job, what's going to happen to me? Uh, how, what are they going to think about me? Uh, how, how am I going to be received? What is if they, they call me, you know, weirdo, Jesus freak, get away from me. All of these thoughts go through our minds. And it, it could be that maybe some of that happens, but most of the time, none of that happens. Because if you ever overcome those fears and you actually confront those things and step into the moment that God is leading you to, it, it, most of the time, God has already prepared somebody. He's already prepared their hearts. But what does God need to do so we 
legitimately step into a season of harvest. He's got to take us through a process, which I believe is found in Mark chapter 6 right here. And there are some, some truths that we're going to grab from this, seven truths to transition, to go into this next season, to go into a deeper place with God. Now, let me give you a little context uh, to this passage. This is just after the feeding of the 5,000, which is 5,000 men. Uh, uh, the disciples either asked nicely or they took it violently. We really don't know because it's not in the scripture. The five loaves and two fishes from a little boy, okay? They took his sack lunch away from him. He's the only one that had any food and they take that food and then Jesus multiplies the food and feeds not only 5,000 men but women and children as well. Uh, most people estimate fifteen to 20,000 people. So with one sack lunch, that's what Jesus does. And now the crowd is about to make Jesus king. They're about to make him king by force. And, and this is one of the greatest seasons of ministry success Jesus is having so far. And uh, it, it would be the greatest time of personal success by any of the world's measurements uh, the, G, the, the disciples must have been glowing, you know, uh, all they had at the beginning of the day was simply a sack lunch that was either borrowed or, or forcefully borrowed. And, and what they left with was 12 baskets full. There was more, uh, more than enough. And they're all of this personal success and ministry success that any of them had ever experienced. So that is the context but Jesus wants them to transition. And in order to go to the next level, the next place, they need to go through this experience, which we just read. So let me give you seven truths to transition in our lives. First, this is, this is something you'll begin to notice in transition. Jesus, in this story, sent everyone in different directions. Sent everyone in different directions. Verse 45 says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Then Jesus goes and sends the multitude, all of the success, all, all, all of the growing ministry, he sends them away. And then he sends himself away to the mountain. Everybody's going in different directions. And what I've noticed about 2019, at least here as a local body, we have sown a spiritual giants into other fields this year. I mean to tell you people who are influencers, lovers of God, people who, who have tremendous ministry, we had to sow them into other fields. And, and I, just, I just recognize that in, in a time of transition, when people start to go different directions, what do we normally do? We kind of panic. We're like, no, 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 no. We want to keep all of this together, and we're, we're trusting the success instead of trusting God. And I want to tell you today that if you're in transition, and it seems like things are shifting and changing and moving, you are in a time of transition, and God is at work. Disciples were made. I love this. They were made to get in the boat. Get in the boat. I don't want to get in the boat. I want to stay with you. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Go. They're all fishermen. They could probably tell that bad weather was coming. It's like, nope, get in the boat. 
Why aren't you coming, Jesus? That's none of your business. I'm going over here by myself. I'm going to send these 20,000 people away. You get in the boat. Anybody ever, well, anybody feel, ever, ever been in a situation where you, you feel like you did something that God was telling you to do and all of a sudden you felt like you were out there by yourself? Well, you're in good company because that's exactly what Jesus did. And I want you to write this down. Make sure you know this. Natural success is not God's highest priority in your life. It is not God's highest priority in your life. It doesn't mean that he won't give you success and breakthrough. It's just not his highest priority. And we'll get to the highest priority at the very end. So Jesus sent everybody in different directions. You might be in transition if you feel like, man, there's some people who are feeling God's call and feeling God's hand. You might be in transition. Second truth about transition is uh, this. Obedience led to a test. Obedience led to a test. Verse 47 says, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing for the, for the wind was against them. Should write this down. Entering a new season requires every believer to press against contrary winds. If you're going to go into a deeper place of, of partnering with God, you are going to have to go against the flow. The flow of culture, uh, at least in a secular sense, does not want revival in the church, is not looking for people to be born again, born of God's spirit, and live by God's word. So you are going to have to get into the boat of your life, led by God, under his direction, and begin to row against contrary winds. Why were there contrary winds? Well, we find out, if you study the scriptures, that the, one of the greatest seasons of Jesus' healing ministry was about to take place. When they would get to the other side, there were those who would bring the sick uh, out, they would carry them on beds, and this is what the scripture says, in hopes that they would just touch his clothing. And everyone who touched his clothing was healed. This was a moment where everyone who came to Jesus got healed. But between the feeding of the 5,000 and this tremendous time of inbreaking kingdom is a storm and a boat and a night of transition. When you choose to obey God, make no mistake, contrary winds are going to blow. Damon Thompson, he's a revivalist, and uh, he says it this way, opposition is a prophetic indicator of potential. Many times, Opposition is a prophetic indicator of potential. If you are experiencing contrary winds to, to entering into what God has for you, it's probably because of what's coming in your life, how God wants to use you as you enter into the next season, as you enter into the next level. 
And you and I need to know that just because we obey doesn't mean everything is easy. Not a lot of shouts on that point. But here's what I know. If God tells you to go to the other side before him, he intends on getting you to the other side. There will be a strength for you to row and there will even be a God who shows up supernaturally in the middle of it all so that you can, you can get his highest priority in the midst of transition. So obedience led to a test. Third truth about transition is while their world, as the disciples, was shaking, Jesus was interceding. While their world was shaking and the wind was blowing against them, Jesus was interceding. It says, now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Where was he? Up on the mountain praying. And he saw them straining and rowing for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. Their world is shaking, and I have come to announce to you, God is working behind the scenes for you to bring you into your destiny, and nothing is going to stop you. He is on that mountain praying. Do you think that he is just simply praying about his own needs? Oh, Father, I, I just, man, you know our ministry could use a little more finance. No, he's not praying that way. He's like, I got 12 people down there in contrary winds who are headed into something who I want to do a deep work in. God, I pr he is praying, he is interceding, and this is what is happening for you right now. If you find yourself in a moment where there's a longing to go deeper, there's a longing to answer the call of God on your life, there, there is a longing to walk in greater agreement with God's word and greater symmetry with God's spirit, then you ought to know it is because there is a Savior who is at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for us. He is praying for us. And listen, if Jesus is praying for us, how many of you know he gets his prayers answered? Nothing is going to stop us when we say, God, I'm going to do what you told me to do. Romans 8 31 through 34 says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? And I want you to see this quite possibly in a new light. The result of Jesus interceding was him coming to them in signs and wonders. Because he prayed and then waited. Anybody ever been in that gap before? The gap between promise and fulfillment? You got a promise from God? And you're kind of like, God, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? 
And it could be that he is working something in us so he can work something through us. And so here he is waiting, but Jesus is interceding. And as a result of his intercession, he comes walking on water. Now, how, how, here's why I believe, and I, I think this is right, why I believe Jesus walked on the water. You see, in the Gospel of John, we find Jesus declaring this. He says, I only say what I hear my father saying. And then he makes this other statement. And I only do what I see my father doing. As a result of Jesus going into his prayer time, I believe the father shows him walking on water. And I, lo I love this about Jesus. He's walking on the water in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the wind. And notice what the scripture says. And he would have he passed them right by. He would have passed them right by. And so here's, here's the good news for you. Uh, your storm is no problem for Jesus. Your storm, your winds, your struggle, your strain, the things that are holding you back, no problem for Jesus. He's just going to walk right on by. He would have just walked by. I'm like, why is that detail in there? Because he's victorious. And those of you who have been born again, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. So that's why we need to know that when the world is shaken, Jesus is interceding. There's a fourth truth in transition. God's timing is perfect. I mentioned this before, but verse 48 says, Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now in the fourth night, fourth watch of the night, it is very, very dark. It's the darkest time. Three to six in the morning. Anybody ever been in the deep woods in the fourth watch of the night. By the way, the Sea of Galilee is a very low place. It's surrounded by mountains. There would not have been a lot of light. It, was, it's very, it would have been very, very, very dark. And here they come. Here comes Jesus walking in the fourth watch. By the way, in the fourth watch, things look different. I can remember this time uh, a, a few years ago. Uh, I, I started uh, I started hunting, and I was hunting in this swamp, this this swamp that I had walked in many, many, many different times. And I, I'm walking through this swamp, but you know, I, I finished up this hunt, and I and I begin to walk, but it was super dark. Matter of fact, it was a dark moon. There was no moon in the sky. And uh, I have I have a flashlight, but this area, which I had walked many, many times before, looked completely different in the dark. And many times, what happens in those dark times is when we don't recognize and when we get comfortable, we kind of freak out. And I want to say to you, if you're in a dark hour uh, of, your, uh, of your walk with God, if you feel like, man, things are shaking, I don't understand what's going on, listen, calm down. Now, when I got turned around in the swamp, 
I did something smart. I sat down. I sat down. And I had some friends who were, who were going to be coming up the road in an F-350 diesel that I think you can hear from about three-quarters of a mile away. And so as soon as they pulled up to that location, I had a bearing. There was a sound. There was something in a dark area. Even though I had felt completely lost, all I did was sit down. And when I heard the sound, I was able to come out of that, of that place, even though I didn't recognize it. And listen, here's, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to freak out. I don't want you to give up in a dark hour. Jesus is coming walking. There is a sound of a Savior approaching. You can't see, but he can see perfectly. It could be that your vision right now is blurred by the circumstance. But I have good news for you. You're about to break into a new season. And Jesus is coming to you in miraculous power. Let me give you another truth. Fifth truth is this. Is that it is in this time that orphan tendencies get exposed. Remember, the greatest thing that God wants to do in this hour is to help us to walk as sons and daughters. But it's in this moment of shaking, in this moment of transition, that any orphan tendency gets exposed. It says, and when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. Here's Jesus walking on the water. Come on, that's a good amen right there. <laughs> Jesus is walking on the water. It's Jesus. They know him. And what do they do? They revert back to something that had been, had been given them by their culture. They are seeing God moving in power and they're like, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Ah! I looked up that word, cried out. In the Greek, it means, ah! <laughs> it's the truth. They just cried out. I don't know what they cried out. I wish. I'm going to ask God for the DVD when I get there. <laughs> or by that time, we'll probably be streaming. So, uh, and so here they are. They cried out. They're paralyzed. And let me say this. When God is drawing near in power, all orphans can see as a ghost. Let me explain what I mean to you by that. What's a ghost? It's something dead that haunts you from your past. It means this, that God can start moving powerfully among you and God can start doing supernatural things around you, but all you can see is the list of mistakes and the things that you think will prevent you from entering in to what God has for you. And I, I am convinced that the reason he sent them on this journey by themselves was to expose 
their orphan heart. They cried out for fear. They said, they must have said things like this. I am in this storm because my past is coming back to haunt me. Now, don't raise your hand, but I, I, my guess is, is that most people in the room have felt that way. Felt like something that I did in the past. Man, it's coming after me. I just want, I want to let you know that Jesus Christ cried out from the cross, paid in full, tetelestai in the Greek. He said, it is finished. It's finished. The sin and the, and listen, the payment for your sin, the payment for God's wrath for that sin was put on Christ. And if you have Hey, if you have received Christ, there is no ghost coming other than the Holy Ghost. There's nothing coming from your past to haunt you. This is God allowing their orphan tendencies to be exposed. They cried out for fear, and here this, this word fear means it's phobia. And, and this is why people who have an orphan heart often have an inability to move into the next season. They're paralyzed uh, by a wrong perception of God connected to their past. And God has sent me today to prophetically minister to you to deliver you from every orphan tendency. Let's not put a, 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 an idea of on God that is not him. God loves you. He sent his son to die on a cross for you. And if he did not spare his son, his only son, to come into relationship with you. He is not going to throw your past up in your face. This is not what God does. God wants to bring you into a brand new season. He wants all of us to enter into harvest, to partner with him in what he wants to do in the earth. But if we live as orphans where all we see are the ghosts that are coming from our past, here's what we do. We paralyze in fear and we never move forward. And God is calling you today to step into who he actually is, a God of power who is supernaturally not affected by the circumstances that are affecting you. And he's saying, no, God, I'm going to trust. There was a sound that come out of the storm. He said, it's, a, it's I, which is the sixth truth. The voice of the Lord is released in a time of transition. If you feel like, man, I've been in a dark night and I'm pressing and I'm pressing in obedience, here's what you need to look for, the voice of the Lord. You say, how does the voice of the Lord come? Well, I'm going to tell you, primarily, it comes from this book. It comes from this book. In, in a time of transition, when you don't know what to do, here's what you need to do. You need to go back to the book. You need to get into the book until 
until one of these scriptures gets so illuminated to you, it becomes a right now word. This is the broad sweeping word of God, but the Holy Spirit is will illuminate these words and make it a right now word for you. You need to look for the voice of the Lord. He will speak to you. It is, uh, verse, in verse 50, it says, Immediately he talked to them and said to them, Be of good cheer. When they were paralyzed with fear, the voice of the Lord came. And the voice of the Lord positions hearts before circumstances change. Do you hear that? He said, It's I. Wind's still blowing, they're still rowing. It's still contrary. He says, don't be afraid. Wind's still blowing. He spoke up right in the middle of their circumstance. Wind is still blowing. What do you mean don't be afraid? He said, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. Now we know what happened. We have the benefit of knowing he's going to climb in the boat and the whole storm is going to cease. They didn't know that. All they had was a word. It's I. Don't be afraid. And let me say to you, if your circumstances don't change immediately, but you have a word from God, you've got enough. You've got enough. Because God is about to move in your situation. God is about to move you into a fresh new place. And listen, hear me, sons and daughters of God. If you have a word from God, you need to stand on it. You need to wage warfare by it. That's what 1 Timothy 1.18 says. It says, by the prophecies previously made concerning you, wage a good warfare. If you've got a word, then you know where to fight and you know how to fight. And you also know who not to fight. If you ever get a word from God, there, people will come with an open door and you can say, no, thank you. I'm not called to that. No, thank you. I don't have to step into that. Why? Because I know what God has said to me. And so this is the direction that I need to go. The voice of the Lord is released in a time of transition. And I love this. Just be of good cheer. Try this. In the midst of your storm, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Try happy. It's better than sad. It's better than depressed. Try joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I know people who, who say they're born again, but the frown marks on your face. <laughs> you say, I'm just more melancholy. Well, just allow the fruit of joy to grow a little bit. That comes from his presence. Now, I'm going to give you this last truth. I'm just going to wrap this up. What happened to them in the boat, I believe, is what God wants to do in all of us. This last point is this. A fresh faith in Jesus has to be received. If you're going to transition into the next, you've got to get a fresh faith in Christ. It says, then he went up into the boat. And the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. See, this is what they didn't realize when they were celebrating on the shore when 20,000 people got fed. Their hearts were hard. 
they did not know their hearts were hard. This, you know what this tells me? That you can be sitting in the same room with a move of God and you yourself have a hard heart. That you can be in a place where people are being saved, people are being healed, and you can cross your arms and say, well, I'm going to heaven, but I don't know about all this stuff. Can I just tell you? The reason why they had to get on the boat is because they had a hard heart. They had success. Matter of fact, I believe personally that when Jesus fed the 5,000, he broke those five loaves in half or tore them apart and gave them in smaller amounts back to the disciples. And he said, go feed them. Wait a minute. I just gave you five loaves and two fish. Now you gave me back less and now you want me to go feed all these people. Can you imagine Peter? Goes to the first guy. Take a really little piece. <laughs> Goes to the next guy. A, a little piece. There's probably a child there. The child just reaches, tries to grab the whole. I said a little piece! <laughs> but then all of a sudden it starts to multiply in his hands. He says, oh, wait, um, you can have a little more. You can have a little more. And they have, these 12, fed 20,000 people from the small amount, and their hearts are hard. Their hearts are hard. They still needed a fresh revelation of Jesus. You say, what revelation did they need? It's in verse 52. It says, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Here's the revelation they needed that they did not yet understand. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. They hadn't grasped it. They didn't get it in their hearts. Here's why. You keep reading through the gospels and Jesus has to come to them later and says, listen, not only have I fed 5,000, but now I've fed 4,000. What do we have when we fed 5,000? We have five loaves and two fish. What do we have when we fed 4,000? There were just seven loaves. He says, do you not understand? And they're like, uh, are you mad about us not bringing bread? No, he's not. He's not mad. He's saying, listen, you need a revelation that, listen, five loaves, two fish, not enough. Seven loaves, 4,000 people, not enough. I am enough. Jesus is enough. Listen, you can be in the midst of miracles and success and growth, and God puts you in a transition so that you can learn this revelation. Jesus is enough. He is enough to save. He is enough to heal. He is enough to put your life in his hand fully and not look back. Jesus is enough. Shout it over your circumstance. Shout it over your family. Jesus is enough. God doesn't 
want to give you the next season without a fresh revelation that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You're like, oh, I just need to grow in my gifting. No, Jesus is enough. I want you to grow in your gifting. Your gifting's not enough. You got your five loaves and your two fish. It's still not enough. Jesus is enough. And I have this question today. Is there something about your faith walk, walk with God that reveals Jesus is enough to the people around you? 